the second week of Speak Life. So how about you find two people around you and speak something nice to them? Hey, Sarah. Two people, speak life into two people around you quickly. Come on, you can find two people, speak some life. Pema, thank you for the message last week. It was a powerful message. Lisa, you're going to have a great week this week. It's going to be an amazing week. Have you spoken life to two people yet? Yes. Three. Dan, you're excelling yourself. Amazing. I think in a uh, series called Speak Life, it's probably good to speak. Yeah? Yeah. So how about, can we try some amens today? You reckon? Amens. Do you know what amen actually means? So be it. I agree. If you hear truth today and uh, you think, yeah, let that be true in my life, give an amen. If your neighbor needs it more than you, amen for them. You know? Amen. (laughs) Thanks, Dan the man. Well, we are excited about this series and uh, we are, I know we started it last week, but we're really so excited about this series because it's not just another series that we want to spend just learning about something. We've actually set aside two months to speak about this because we want this to be part of the culture of our church. We want to be known as a people who speak life. Not that we're whingers or complainers or grumblers or gossipers or people who speak negatively, but for two months we are instilling in the DNA of this church, we speak life. We speak God's word, we speak God's promises. And it's okay to have problems going on and sharing that with with each other and things like that, but we are going to decide to be a church that hears the problem and speaks life into it. Amen? And that's what we're going to do. Amen. (laughs) Uh, We're not going to be whingers and complainers like the story we're about to read. And uh, I think it's, culture's a bit of a buzzword, but I think our culture needs to reflect the culture of heaven because we're meant to be bringing heaven to earth. And I I know we're not going to hear whinging angels when we get to heaven. I know they're not going to be complaining. The only angel I've ever read about complaining doesn't reside in heaven anymore. If that doesn't give you a startling picture of the power that the life you have in your tongue can bring, I don't know what else will. So that's going to be our culture and we're going to choose to be that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love it. So good. We're taking a look at the story that just keeps on giving. Uh, It's the children of Israel this morning. And uh, if you're taking notes, this morning's message is fear or faith and uh, no more whinge binge, hashtag no more whinge binge. And uh, there's not a lot of build up in this story before it gets to a big turning point uh, where we're reading from today. But a bit of background is this. Uh, The children of Israel have just spent a year at Mount Sinai and uh, before that they were in Egypt 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And God miraculously brings them out of Egypt. You you know about the 10 plagues that were sent and Pharaoh is, all right, I'll let your people go. And then they get chased down by the Egyptians and then God opens the Red Sea and they part, they go through, everyone, all the enemy drowns. They're, They're hungry, God gives manna, they're thirsty, he brings water from a rock. They don't like manna anymore, so he sends me. This this journey to where 
the Israelites are, where we pick up today, has been riddled with miracles. It's been a miraculous journey. And we just, we, we pick up in Numbers 13 today, where the, the children of Israel are on the edge of promise. They're right on the edge of the promised land. And uh, if you'll come with me in Numbers 13, we're going to read a, a fair chunk of scripture, but it's a great story. So use your imagination. And it says this, uh, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out the 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. And so Moses said to the men, See what the land is like. This is what you need to do, spies. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak or they're few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? Do uh, Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you see. So they went up and they explored the land. And when they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that the two of them had to carry it on a pole pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned and they reported to the whole community. So you can see they've been on Mission Impossible, 40 days, spying out the land of promise. And I, I, I don't know how you kind of duck and weave while you're carrying the biggest bunch of grapes that you've ever seen on your back, but these guys did it and they've come back and they're about to report to the whole community what they've seen and they showed them the fruit that they'd taken from the land and this was their report. We entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. You can feel the faith start to rise in the people. I knew it would be good. I knew we came out here for a reason. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Come on, lift up the, look at what it does. And you can just imagine the children of Israelites. Yes, we've come to where God has brought us out of. We've come out of slavery to go into this promise. And then in a moment's notice, it changes. They say this in verse 28, but the people living there are powerful. Oh, and their towns are large and fortified. Oh, the faith begins to drop. And, when, and we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The, Mal- the Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jezubites, the Amorites in the hill country, the Canaanites, they all live there. And then Caleb, like a, a group project going wrong, steps in, just goes, wait, 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 wait. Let, let's go at once and take this land. He, we, we can certainly conquer it. These 10 guys are bringing back this awful report of the good land that God's giving them. And Caleb is doing his best to try and say, no, 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 wait. That's the wrong report. That's the wrong thing to speak about what God's doing. But the other men in verse 31 says, who explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And so they spread a bad report 
amongst the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. It took one bad report to spoil the fruit of the promise God was trying to give them. One bad report. God was trying to give them the very thing they left captivity for. It says in Numbers 1, 13, 1, I am giving you this land. It wasn't go and scout it out and see if you can take it. It's I'm giving it to you. And when you speak badly about the good things that God is trying to do in your life, you are spoiling it for yourself. They had good fruit that was spoilt by a bad word. Good fruit spoilt by a bad word. And in the same way with our words, when we, we choose to speak fear, this is what happens. When we speak our fearfulness into a situation, we can forfeit the opportunity for God to show us his faithfulness. They were backing up from the promise that God had given them. And in verse 33, it goes down. This is, this is just great. We see they, they continue on whinging about the land. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anax, and next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. What? Wait, in the middle of spying, you somehow figured out a way to walk down and take a survey of the giants and go, hey, what do you guys think we look like? And grasshoppers was the number one answer. They, they made that up. It was in their head what they, were, what they thought they looked like. And can we be real for a moment? A lot of the things you're fearing are things you've made up in your head in the what-if scenarios that aren't even real. They made it up. My pastor used to say this, and I'm sure you've heard it. Fear is this. Fear is false evidence. I've got a screen. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. We We can get so caught up in fear of, well, what if this happens? And what if they think this about me? And what if I miss out? And what if this person does that? You know what? Sometimes the greatest things we can do is turn around to the devil and go, what if God will still be with me? And we cannot allow false evidence. They all think we're grasshoppers. You were were spying. You don't know what they think you look like. They had no idea. We've got to stop allowing our imagination to run off and spiral down into the fears that God did not put in our lives. Amen. And in Numbers 14, we just see this bad report. It is just, it is just spreading like poison. It goes on. It says the whole community was in uproar, wailing all night. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Oh, that sounds fun. Two million whinges. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in this wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country to kill us? Our wives and our children are about to become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt and right now, soon they're all saying it to one another. That's how it happens, the bad report. One person says it, and then another person says it. Let's pick a new leader. That'll solve it. Let's head back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in front of the entire community, gathered in emergency session. 
Because that's what bad reports will do. It'll put fear and panic in the place God destined for peace. But Joshua and Caleb in six, verse 6 to 9 says that they ripped their clothes and addressed the assembled people of Israel and said, the land we walked through and scouted was a very good land. It was a very good land. If God is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that flows, as they say, with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Just don't rebel against God. And don't be afraid of those people. Why, we'll have them for lunch. They have no protection and God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. Notice Caleb and Joshua did not deny what was actually in the promised land. Yeah, there were giants. There were fortified walls. That was all true. The promise didn't come without its challenges. But living and speaking in faith is not about denial of reality. It's about agreeing with the greater reality that if God is for us, then there is no one who can stand against us. It's about speaking promise when the world wants to speak fear into your life. And even in the midst of that reality causing fear, you and I have the choice to speak fear into our life or speak faith. To speak promise or we'll just speak persecution over our life. We have that choice. We can bring a good report even in the midst of challenge. Last week after church, we, um, we headed down to Glendale. There was a footy gala day. I know, sorry, you all missed out. Um, Noah was having his last few games of the season. And so we all trekked down there as uh, a family and the guys had their sausage singers and things like that. And we're standing on the sideline as a family, beautiful day. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this bee comes along. And it's just buzzing around and I'm ducking and weaving and like, mom, there's a bee. And she's, oh, she picks up and, and Luke's ducking and weaving. And we all look like dags on the sideline, just bopping away kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, my dad just goes like this. And the bee comes and lands on his arm. And I am looking at him going, you are crazy. You're absolutely crazy. And he, and he just looks at it. He's not trying to be quiet here. Many people gathered round. Listen to me, B. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to get stung here. And this is all going to backfire. He goes, I, I, I'm sick of you buzzing around my family, terrorizing us with your little stinger. He goes, I'm trying to watch Noah play football. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to leave me and my family alone and you're going to buzz off. And then he just goes like this. And it flies as high as I could possibly see. I could no longer see it. And Luke and I just look at each other like, the bee whisperer. It was absolutely insane. But sometimes you and I need to look at our little problems in the eye and go, I know you're there, but you're not going to terrorize my family anymore. You're not going to come around with your little stinger. You're going to buzz off. And we just need to look fear in the face sometimes and go, be gone because I'm going to choose faith. You know, I pulled out um, a few of the things that fear speaking and faith speaking looks like. But can I ask you a question before I do that? If you're taking notes, ask yourself, 
Does how you speak reveal what you believe God will do or what you fear he won't? How you speak in church. Here's a list of the things just I pulled out of Numbers 14 of what fear talks looks like. Fear does this. It complains. It whinges. It blames people for the situation that they're in. It's negative. Longing for the former days. Oh, Egypt, how I loved slavery. It gossips and it slanders. It undermines leadership and it's full of hopelessness. That's what fear sounds like when you're speaking it out. This is what faith sounds like. It's grateful. It praises and encourages. It recounts the good things God's done, not to go back, but to encourage the spirit to keep moving forward. It honors people and honors leadership. It speaks the word and promises of God and anticipates his goodness. We have a good father who's faithful. That's how we need to be speaking into our situations. What kind of report are you bringing, church? And even though Joshua and Caleb, good on them, tried to persuade the Israelites about the promised land, the bad report had already spread. Solomon warns us about the little foxes that get in and destroy the vines. That's why we need to be, that's why we're making this part of our culture. You hear someone gossiping, don't be, don't be a jerk about it, but just go, hey, could we speak life there? Could we change that dialect? <laughs> And in Numbers 14, the most devastating results of choosing fear over faith is shown. We pick up in 26, it says this. Then the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yep, I have heard all the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Oh gosh, I'm glad the Lord hasn't done everything to me that I have said that I wished he would. You'll all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older will included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. You said your children, you were worried about your children in this. You said they'd be carried off as plunder. No, no, no. I'll bring them safely into the land and they'll enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will be dead in this wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years in this way. They will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you dies in the wilderness. They were right there. They were right there, the edge of promise. It sounds nice, huh? The edge of the promised land. They could literally taste the fruit from the land. They, they were eating, these are the best grapes ever. Uh, they, they could taste the fruit of the land. And they were right there on the border of destiny and they talked themselves out of it. You know, you can talk yourself out of your destiny. Church, can I ask you a question? What is God trying to bring you into that you talked yourself out of? 
He was going to give it to them. And they talked themselves out of it by the negative report that they brought back about what God was doing. And there was some, they were left somewhere between slavery and the promise, and they kind of just dwelled in the wilderness because they talked themselves out of it. Too often we settle for this place too, the wilderness, somewhere between saved and then living victoriously. Because the promised land looked like too much work. Jewish scholars recount this part of the story like this with an emphasis on this. One of the reasons that the 10 spies brought back a bad report is because in the land of promise, there was farming and cattle and resources in which they would be able to work for their food and their livelihood. And that meant that the manna and the quail would stop. The supernatural spoon feeding found in the wilderness would stop as soon as they entered into the promised land and there would have to be a maturity developed within them. The promise was everything that God had described it to be. They just hadn't counted what the cost would be to dwell in it. Can I tell you, church, the promised land will require more of you than the wilderness ever does. The promised land will require more of you. It will require a maturity of you than that the wilderness never, ever asks you for. You want the promise of your children growing up to know Christ. It's going to take that maturity of implementing godly principles into your home and and making sure that they grow up in the ways of the Lord. And that the Bible is not negotiable. It is the word of God. You want a marriage that honors the Lord, then it's going to take more work than the wilderness ever did. It's easy to complain about your spouse. It's another thing to speak life into them, even when they're breaking your heart. Finances. It's going to take maturity to honor, honor God, to do your taxes properly. Ask him how he wants you to do it. The promise will require more of you than wilderness ever, ever will. And what promises, church, are you talking yourself out of because the journey to get there looks too hard? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, it's not just about me? Turn to the other one and say, it's not just about you either. It's not just about you. Numbers 14, 33 says this. Oh, some people have gone on a real spill. They've really, I've been waiting for this moment to tell you it's not just about you. (laughs) Numbers 14, 33 says this. And your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Oh, and in this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. The report you bring back, church, does not just affect you. Because of the report that the parents had, the children were affected. And you heard in there complaining, what about the children? The children are going to die. But it was their very report that affected how they were going to grow up. They could have grown up in promise, but because of how they spoke, they grew up in the wilderness. All these people knew were wilderness. And parents, people who are of influence here, who have people that they influence around them, leaders, people who speak vision, you hold this responsibility. 
This is not just about you and whether you reach your promises. The report you bring affects whether the people around you reach theirs. The way you speak will affect the destinies of the lives around you. Whom God has entrusted to you. If you speak doubt, if you speak fear, if you speak gossip, I know they're churchy words, let's be real. If you start bagging out your husband while, you, while he's out, and your kids hear that, if you think it's okay to totally rip someone to shreds and gossip about them, did you hear this? I think this. I don't believe God can do that. That's too big. I can't trust God with this. But you know what? Whether your children or the people that you influence hear that or not, the spirit realm does. And Proverbs 18 says that you will eat the fruit of the words of your mouth. I don't care if it's said in secret, you will dwell in a place that is built by the words that you speak. But God in his goodness says to Joshua in Joshua 1, hey Joshua, it's time. Now it's time. 40 years is gone, the old is gone, the new has come. And so you and I, if we have been speaking the way that it aligns ourselves with fear or anything that doesn't come from heaven, we have a chance to go, it's time. It's time to change this. And it says in Joshua 1 verse 5, God speaks to Joshua and he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Hallelujah. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Why God? Because there's things that are gonna freak you out in the promised land. But because I will lead these people, they'll inherit the land that I swore to the ancestors given to them. Three times in this passage, God says, be strong and courageous. There's no need to be strong and courageous unless there's something to freak out about. The promise is not void of things that we have to overcome. That is not what the promise is. God says, be strong and courageous. Don't speak that fear. Be strong and courageous. Come on, tell your spirit, be strong and courageous. And so Joshua learns a lesson from last time. He goes, all right, now's the time. I'm not going to send 12 spies this time. I'm just going to go with the two. I'm just going to go with the two. I don't want to wander around that wilderness for another 40 years. So they send in two spies to just check out the land and they end up in a house uh, of a woman named Rahab. So this is 40 years after the bad report and they have eaten the fruit of that for 40 years. And now God says, come on, now's the time. We're going in to take that promise. And this is the conversation that the spies have between Rahab and the two spies. This is what she says to them in verse nine, Joshua two. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everybody's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. 
Their enemies were the ones melting in fear because of what God had done. How did she know what God had done? Someone had to speak that. And sometimes in the midst of our our, our challenges and on the way to the promised land, we need to remind ourselves what God has done. We need to encourage ourselves like King David. He said, you know what? Why are you downcast my soul? You will praise the Lord. You will. We need to encourage our spirits, encourage ourselves. We can't always wait from a text for someone. Well, why didn't they text me? I was feeling blue. Encourage yourself. Is the word of God not there? I don't know why that person didn't talk to me today. Talk to yourself. We all do it. We think thoughts all day long. It's time to stop listening to those negative thoughts all the time and maybe start listening to yourself. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You will be strong and courageous. Yep, I know you're down, but you will praise the Lord. I am going through. I am over and above and not below. We need to encourage ourselves. I was on the Dream Center mission in LA a couple of weeks ago and we were on a, yeah, and... um, and we were doing a demolition. We were, <laughs> yep, I'm a demo girl. Um, we were demolitioning a house and it was super hard work. It was like there was the biggest pile of all this junk that we had to move from here to like over there. And there was some guys from the mission who was like a rehab kind of thing. And one guy really didn't want to do it. And you know what he did? He did this. I don't care if I don't want to do it. I am killing my flesh. I will be strong in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in And he encouraged himself all the way through the mission. And we moved that pile of rubbish. And you know what? We have to do that too. I know the promise looks hard, but I will encourage myself. I will speak faith. I will go through where God is calling me. And the Israelites had no reason to be fearful of them. In verse 24 in Joshua 2, they come back and they say, Joshua, it's a different report this time. The Lord has surely given us the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So God says, be strong, be courageous. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I am leading you into the land that I swore to you. Be strong and courageous. I'll never leave you. Stephen Furtick has a great quote about this. It says this, God's presence is guaranteed, but his promises are optional. He will never leave you or forsake you, but walk in the promise, that's up to you. And so God goes on and he keeps speaking to Joshua. He keeps speaking life. And then he goes, you know what, Joshua? I promised you this land. You are going to conquer everything in it. Everything in your path, everywhere your footsteps, that'll be yours. And, and then he says in Joshua 1.8, how are you going to do it? It says this, keep this book of the law always on your, Where? lips. How are you going to enter the promised land? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Always speak life. Always be speaking what God's promised you. Always be speaking the faith in which he has called you to be in. Always on your lips. 
This is not some positive talk kind of trick your mind thing. This is speaking into the spirit realm. I will walk in faith. I will not be overcome by what God, what the enemy tries to bring against me. And we need to begin to tell ourselves, let that be a habit of ourselves, church. One incredible thing is that we can see this and they went in and they took the land of the promised land and there's incredible stories of Joshua and that walk around the walls and the hoo-ha and all that great stuff. And we can think, yeah, that worked for him. But you know what? When before the, at the first time Joshua went in to be a spy in the promised land, his name was Hosea. And just before he went in, Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means he is salvation. And so when you and I talk about our promised land, it's not a Joshua that leads us there. It is he is our salvation. That you and I can have Jesus Christ as the one who we walk forward in his strength. Not just some positive mind trick, but we walk in Jesus' strength. We walk with the covering of Jesus because he will lead us. He will guide us. He will give us the ground in which he has called us to take. And he will never leave us or forsake us. It is not just up to us, but we speak in the authority of Jesus Christ when we speak life. We need to speak life in Jesus' name. You will see things turned around. It may not be circumstances turned around, but you'll see your character start to shift when you stop whinging and start being grateful, when you stop dissing people and start encouraging them, when you stop whinging about your leadership and start praying for them, when you begin to change your talk, your whole world will change. Because that is what the Bible teaches us. What report are you bringing, church? What report are you bringing? Think about your week. Think about your conversations. Oh gosh, that one might have been bad. This one I could probably do. And you know what? This isn't a deeply spiritual message, although it has spiritual principles. You don't need some laying on of hands and huge encounter. You know what you need? The fruit of the spirit of self-control where you open up that book so you can have it on your lips and you say, Holy Spirit, help me today to speak life. When you get up, don't let the devil tell, tell you how you feel. Tell him how you feel. I feel good. Yeah. I know yesterday I had a back pain and I kind of thought, oh, what if it's cancer? But today I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go with I have a sore back today. And in Jesus' name, I'm being healed. We're speaking life. Don't wait for the devil to tell you where you're going or how you feel. Speak into your situations. See them change and let's walk into the promise. Amen? Amen. Thank you, team. Come on.